A penguin? And he's been drinking. Wait a minute. Penguins can't fly. Penguins can't fly! <laughs> He's the critic. Hi, everybody. Welcome to I Think You'd Be Into It, the podcast about your faves. I'm your host, Brandon Beck. I'm your long-suffering host, Beth Scorzato. Hell yeah, you are. Uh, and joining us today on the program is uh, a comedian, uh, video editor, and drummer for my band, uh, he's also the host of the new podcast, It Stinks, uh, which is a rewatch of The Critic. Ladies and gentlemen, Brian Rubinow. Brian, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, as a bandmate of Brandon's, that's why I figured you knew that there's no way to stop it. You just, you just have to <laughs> let him play the bit out or he just kind of doubles down. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. The one that comes to mind the most is We All Saw Cats separately on opening night. <laughs> And we played a gig the next day, and over the course of that afternoon, I learned the uh, Jellicle Ball theme and wound up playing it, I think, seven times over the course of our, what, 45-minute set? Oh, God. Was that... Um... That was at that weird co-op. Yeah, it was at the club, okay. like the teen club near the 7-Eleven okay. where I wasn't allowed to buy beer and bring it in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Were they straight edge or was it just like... No, it's just we it's have an to under... It all it's, an 18, it's an 18 plus club, so you can't bring uh, beer in. Got it. I think they also might be like socialistically straight edge. Yeah. That's possible, that but I vibe. think it was a let's not get shut down thing. Sure. That too. But yeah, seven times over the course of that show, including in like three different guitar solos. <laughs> he was really proud of himself. Because <laughs> I'm a monster. And on the way home, he's like, did you hear it? And I was like, yes, I heard it. Of course I heard it. Did you not see me glaring at you? I heard it. Well, and of course, I also remember you, like, uh, incorporating some Cats music into the uh, Janiversary show at the Pack Theater. Yeah. Yeah, we did a show. Uh, I was a producer on a show called Janiversary, which is our big, like, like internal, let's just have a party and do in-jokes show at the Pack every year, where Brian is also a, a, a deep-in-the-weeds Pack person. Oh, yeah. Um, and the band was the two of us and this dude, Barton, uh, who's a phenomenal uh, keyboard player. And, uh, we, the middle half of the middle third of the show was like a fake awards show. And as they were introducing the first act, Barton started playing memory. So I jumped on and, and started playing the lead for it. And then <laughs> I leaned over to Barton and said, Hey, let's play memory to introduce every act. <laughs> And then I texted Brian because I couldn't get to him from the other side of the stage. The same thing. And then we did it. And then like the third time through, I got a text from Beth in all caps that just said, fuck you. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah, 
But it's okay because we found somebody who's going to come on and we're going to talk about Caps 2019 and he's going to get it out of his system, I hope. Hell yeah, we are. But enough about Cats 2019, the thing we're all into all the time. <laughs> oh my God. What are we all into this week? Uh, you, 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 you're the one who changed the subject this time, so you got to do it. You got to go first. Oh, son of a bitch. Yeah, right? <laughs> that had, I, I, had, I, had not even, I had not even gotten that far. Here's the thing, okay. Brian. I'm you know what it prepared. is? No, I, I, got, I got one. Okay. I got one. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a hot new band on the scene. They're climbing the hills. They're thrilling us to the arts. They're taking us on a one-way trip to Dean Town. I'm talking, of course, about the fabulous Wolfpack. Oh, yeah, you haven't done them yet. Which is basically if you took four dudes that looked like me and made them into an incredibly tight funk band. Um, uh, my favorite thing I've ever heard about them is our mutual friend uh, Dom Johnson said he thought they were a fake band for Facebook. <laughs> which is absolutely, absolutely on the money. Uh, they're a really great band with a very, uh, their, their front man is doing a whole thing that some people could probably find exhausting, and I do. but I think is charming. I was told if I never, I, I'm pretty sure that if I never, if you would never put them on like YouTube, if I had never seen them, I would be much more into them. Hmm. That's fair. But I have seen them and I cannot take them seriously. Very talented musicians, though. I'll give them that. Yeah, they're very talented musicians. They've only got, like, four or five proper studio records, and a lot of them are mostly instrumentals. But they released a... Uh, they recorded a live at Madison Square Garden show uh, that is now on Spotify and on YouTube that was shot with just one iPhone. Um, that's a really good introduction into them and kind of what they do and what their live sound is like. Um, they also have a new a new track out called Three on E, which is one of the new tracks from their upcoming record, The Joy of Music, The Job of Real Estate. So yeah, if you wanna <laughs> uh if you wanna get your Wolf on, go check out uh Wolfpack. No government subsidies for active bases. Beth Beth, you're up. Oh god. Um uh actually I have been really into um I, I read a lot of comics, and I can't go to the comic store anymore because that's not allowed. Um, so I've been reading a lot of Webtoon comics, um, and I just read – it's not a new one, but it's new to me. And I didn't know it existed. It's by Katie Cook, who is an artist I really love, and I'm familiar with her all-ages work. But she's done this more, like, teen adult one. Um, not, like, 18-plus adult one, just, like, reading adult one um called nothing special uh it's on webtoon and uh, she's a little bit she just started her season three uh at the beginning of april and it's really good i really love her art and i'm really into how her art style is being lent to more complex material her children's stuff is often a little bit simpler and i think doesn't show uh her range as well but i'm really into this comic and it's great and it's on webtoon and it's free there's lots of great free comics on webtoon in general if you're stuck at home and want to read uh, and they're formatted for mobile and they're great and uh there's enough people who work there too they're great good people uh yeah that's all <laughs> that's all i got it that's mine <laughs> brian what about you uh cool yeah so my kind of quarantine uh activity of choice has mostly been uh video games um, hell yeah yeah i i mean i've been 
uh, a pretty regular gamer for like most of my life, but now that it's quarantine, I've been able to get just really hardcore into it again. Um, so I recently like finished uh, the game Death Stranding on PS4, which was excellent. Really enjoyed that. Like if you're into Hideo Kojima at all, or you know his style, it's very, very weird, very unconventional. So admittedly the game is not for everyone but if you can like if you feel like taking a a chance on a game that is really trying something different and unique uh definitely i think try it i actually think it's i believe it's on sale this month well this month being april not sure when this episode is releasing but uh naturally this will be out in a couple weeks it'll still be april uh okay uh cool so yeah uh check out death stranding but uh i've since moved on to um well i'm kind of back on the switch now i know that like everyone and their mother is playing the new animal crossing admittedly i'm not really an animal crossing person it just kind of just has no appeal for me so the the game that i'm actually into now is um something that came out last year the the uh legend of zelda Link's awakening remake Um, oh hell yeah i played that so good I beat you beat most yeah. of it, babe. But then you didn't finish, and then I deleted the computer. <laughs> yeah, I got to the exact part of that game where I lose patience with it every time, which is the uh, I think second to last dungeon where you have to uh, do the chess pieces and yeah. like th- knock down the pillars and just fuck fuck that. No, you got really mad about it, and I was like, the chess pieces. <laughs> anyway, you're right. It was a fucking beautiful remake, Brad. Yeah, well, and I never really played the original because I never had, like, a Game Boy or a Game Boy Color. Um, mm-hmm. But I am a fan of the Zelda series, like Link to the Past, one of my all-time favorite games. Um, loved Breath of the Wild on the Switch. So, uh, so yeah, when they Did were... Did you play Cadence of Hyrule? No, that's, like, the music rhythm game. Yeah, it rules. He really liked it. See, I've never played the original Link's Awakening either. Um, Brandon did, and so it was weird experience to like watch him play, especially because I started before him. Um, and then he'd be like doing things, or he'd be like, "Oh yeah, and this is down here, and this is down here," and he had this weird just like savant knowledge of this game from when he was a child, and he remembered playing <laughs> it. And I was just like, "I don't, I don't know any of these things." That, but that only really went through the like first two dungeons. <laughs> Yeah, but you still, like, remembered things or about, like, getting the upgrade for the, like, changing your color so that you get the different bonus. And I was like, what? What are you even talking about? I just, like, none of these things were familiar to me at all. But I I really enjoyed it, and I did beat the whole game. I did finish the whole game. Which might be the first RPG I've ever finished in my life. (laughs) Uh, I'm a habitual RPG non-finisher outside of Pokemon. Although I actually didn't finish Sword. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, there's plenty of like Final Fantasy games I just abandoned like halfway through, and um... I've played about nine hours of Chrono Trigger like three times. <laughs> I just never oh. finished it. Oh, Chrono Trigger is great. It also has like ten different endings. So I know, but like I've I've I haven't even like started one. I've gotten like nine hours, <laughs> in, which is like nothing for Chrono Trigger. Yeah, and do- doesn't doesn't Chrono Cross the sequel have like? 45 playable characters or something absurd like that fucking probably yeah it's it has a yeah very large cast that's another one that i started and did not finish oh now i want to see where i can play chrono trigger guys my next thing is about to be chrono trigger dude chrono trigger (laughs) rules 
I'm like 40 hours into the Final Fantasy VII remake, and it's also very good. Oh, nice. We're recording these out of order, so I have no idea if I've already talked about it or will be talking about it soon, but it's very good. You will be talking about it soon, unless you did it yesterday, or no. Fuck, I don't remember. Yeah, Final see, Fantasy VII right? is great. Look, guys, time has no meaning. Time has no meaning. It's fine. I'm looking up where I can buy Chrono Trigger. Don't worry about me. The buy now button on the Square Enix page does not work. Though I, I will say maybe my, my proudest accomplishment is that I finished and still own my copy of Xenogears for PS1. Ooh, uh, wow. Extreme, yeah, extremely long game that I am definitely never going to touch again because it's such a mammoth undertaking. But it's like, you know, it's like the video game equivalent of saying you read War and Peace. So speaking of the great works, <laughs> The Critic. Yes. Um. So, yeah, Brian, you just uh, launched a podcast about uh, this particular show. So why don't you give us a quick, like, TLDR on what The Critic was and why why you decided now was the time to revisit uh, a canceled animated show from the early 90s. And I say that with no judgment because I would do a clone high rewatch in a fucking heartbeat. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so The Critic is, yeah, it was a um, half-hour animated sitcom uh, from the mid-90s. It, it started, it first aired on ABC in 94, then... The second season, uh, it moved to Fox for 95. Unfortunately, it only lasted two seasons until it was canceled. But um, it was a great show. I I watched it while it was on, and it was just one of those things that really stuck with me just because of how funny it was. Um, It it was uh, created by Al Jean and, and Mike Reese, who are also from The Simpsons. So it definitely has a lot of that same... Uh, sense of humor like it it's in turn very witty but it can also be very um kind of cartoonish and ridiculous and it's a lot of very quick like one-line jokes like very quick like visual jokes so the show definitely holds up uh for a rewatch where you definitely notice things you didn't uh, notice the first time around and it's sort of like yeah, if, if you liked The Simpsons, you'll probably like The Critic. Um, and I think it's one of those shows, too, that was and is incredibly smart. And so there's a lot of cultural literacy that you might not have had when we were younger, when we watched it the first time. That when you, and any Anything from the 90s, I think now people of our age go back and are like, oh, I remember hearing about that when I was a kid and I laughed because I thought I was supposed to. But that's actually really funny. <laughs> They're like, oh, wait, I get <laughs> oh. it now. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. And and like, you know, if you know the history of The Simpsons, it was like a lot of their writers were hired like directly from Harvard. Like they wrote for mm-hmm. the Harvard Lampoon, then they'd just be hired to write for The Simpsons. So, so yeah, a lot of, um, yeah, lo- probably a lot of nerds in that writing room. So, yeah, a lot of uh, humor that, um, yeah, you definitely have to, I know at least a little bit about movies to get because, of course, it is a show about a film critic. Um, And, yeah, it's got sort of that, yeah, I guess sort of more, like, intelligent, I guess, uh, sense of humor. It's also so steeped in the pop culture of the moment in a way that The Simpsons kind of wasn't at the time. 
sure yeah like you know there's there's a lot of like movie parodies of whatever um movie was popular at the time because like the basic concept of the show is that jay sherman is this film critic who you know appreciates good films but he's stuck reviewing like you know mainstream hollywood garbage so he's got a for those of you who who aren't familiar with it one this is taking place 1994 to 1995 so that'll give you some context and two he's got like kind of like almost like an entertainment tonight type show that is is dealing with like blockbusters and and tent poles and all they want is to be an extension of like a media the 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 entertainment's PR arm, you know, they just want to say everything is good so that they keep getting access. They don't want to upset the networks. They don't want to upset the producers. A lot of really great jokes by just making tons of these different kind of like film parodies. So like, um, there's a classic like there's so there was a movie in the mid '90s called Howard's End, which was sort of like a period costume drama well on the critic he reviews the uh, sequel howard stern's end which just <laughs> stars howard stern in the same setting um i think my favorite of those is apocalypse wow <laughs> which is the musical yeah. version of apocalypse now <laughs> yeah yeah i mean there's a ton of them they're they're they like you know they they made at, at least one for each new episode so there's just yeah, lots of those. I was sort of surprised, and it's it's hard to say this these days without it sounding like a pejorative, but it's, it's really not. I was surprised at how much, like, big family guy energy uh, the oh, critic yeah. has. Just in, in the way it uses cutaways that, at least at, at the time, The Simpsons wasn't doing that all that much, and they still kind of don't. But, like, a lot of the jokes in this show are just straight up like, here's a movie parody, or, oh, yeah, I remember, that's like this time, and then we cut to a thing. It's also a lot more, I think, cart outwardly cartoony than Simpsons was as well. Uh, Simpsons got more cartoony, sure, but, like, I feel like there's a lot more, like, animation logic Mm -hmm. in the critic than in the simpsons but that that could just be me <laughs> um i mean yeah for the most part like they do kind of keep the series grounded in reality but they will occasionally go on these like flights of fancy where they yeah they just drop all the rules of reality and they do get very cartoony um like i think uh like jay sherman has this dad franklin who is just an absolute goofball like um he's basically he's love him yeah so his parents are basically these kind of this rich waspy family that are based on the roosevelts like they're even named franklin and eleanor in the show um oh i never i never put that together in a way that's a weird precursor to like um the uh, whatever lois's parents and family guy yeah they kind of end up being the same stereotype go medium because <laughs> like this show really is really squarely in between like the success of the simpsons and the success of later animated adult tv shows but just kind of like didn't hit in the same way yeah for whatever reason um but yeah franklin franklin sherman jay's dad uh he like yeah like i said he's an absolute goofball like they give him just tons of funny stuff to do with stuff to say that usually has no connection to whatever the scene is and it like 
there's a scene where we go inside his head and we, he imagines himself going on like a date with a cartoon cow and it looks like an old like Fleischer Brothers cartoon. And uh, <laughs> there's just, uh, yeah, just take that Guernica. <laughs> oh yeah, there's a slam at uh, Picasso at one point. Um, but yeah, uh, he's a he's a fantastic character. If uh, the, the other. I think my favorite character, both on the critic and one of my favorite characters in animation in general, is uh, Jay's boss, Duke Phillips. Oh, yeah. Who's basically just Ted Turner if he was even more, like, macho and over the top. Yeah. And I think he's such a good foil for uh, Jay, who, if we haven't mentioned it, is John Lovitz. Yes, uh, Jay Sherman, voiced by John Lovitz. Um, Once upon a time in college. Yeah, I, I made some joke about uh, how John Lovitz had recorded an, a complete cover of the Willinium album, calling it <laughs> Lovinium, and then Beth photoshopped the uh, cover of that album, which is just lo- a picture of Lovitz in some of those year 2000 glasses. That sounds amazing. I'm sure it's still somewhere. It was exceptional. Yeah, but oh uh, yeah, du- so Duke Phillips, voiced by the great Charles Napier, um, and yeah, his character is basically Ted Turner. He's trying. He's constantly trying to get Jay to like dumb himself down and do all these, you know, wacky stunts to try to boost his ratings. Um, and oh, and also uh, Ted Turner also parodied on family guy weirdly when did they do i don't I, i'm sure i'm sure family guys parodied everything but when, i don't remember when they did ted turner i think it was kind of earlier in the seasons like it might have been like before it was canceled the first time um i just remember ted turner was like a friend of lois's dad uh, oh that would make sense like they go golfing together or something and He's like, uh, he's like angry that he has to bring Ted Turner along. The irony being now that Family Guy reruns is ninety percent of what's on TBS at any <laughs> yeah. given moment. Yeah. So t- let, let's talk a little bit about because we didn't mention it specifically, but it was canceled and then moved and uncanceled. It, this seems like one and of those retooled a little bit. Yeah, this it seems like a show that I'm not entirely sure if it didn't work or if it was poorly executed because again it sits in this weird place of animation history where it has a really dedicated following and it doesn't seem to necessarily be a bad show but it didn't do very well and it wasn't placed very smartly I don't think am I misunderstanding that I'm this is less my wheelhouse than y'all that's why I'm asking yeah well I don't I don't really know why it was canceled either um it I think it kind of made sense for it to move to Fox just because it had so much of that Simpsons pedigree and it was also I believe produced it, by Gracie Films, right? Yes, yeah. So they had the same like little uh ending logo at the end of the show. Um and uh well and also just like Jay Sherman and Homer Simpson have a lot in common. Like there's tons of like fat jokes on both shows uh, at the expense of those characters um, and that sort of thing. Um, so I think it did make sense for the critic to move to Fox. And I think they even paired it with the Simpsons in the same like programming hour. Uh, but uh, yeah, I have no idea why it was canceled, I guess. I, I think, I think a, there was a, at that point, the Simpsons was kind of the only game in town 
as far as animation that wasn't strictly for kids mm-hmm. uh, was concerned. Cause e- and even by then, we were only on, like, what, the sixth or seventh season of The Simpsons, which at that point was insane because there there hadn't been a, a an animated series on a network that had run for that long since like the Flintstones which I think a lot of people also forget was kind of intended for adults yeah and the Flintstones is basically was basically a remake of the honeymooners exactly yeah and like I I think a lot of networks at that point I think they wanted a Simpsons but they didn't want to put in the work to make it a Simpsons because like the Simpsons didn't even really like fully hit big until like three or four seasons in. Mm-hmm. And so they would. And so like, I, I'm pretty sure the critic just got greenlit because Hey, the, the two guys who were running the Simpsons at the time had a show. Um, but as happened with the critic or even like later into the decade, like God, the devil and Bob and all of those other like brief one-off animated shows networks just didn't know what to do with them because there weren't there weren't other animated shows for them to be paired with and an animated thing by its nature will have a different vibe even than like you know another sitcom there's just a level of abs- both abstraction and a level of uh, heightenedness that you wouldn't get and, and I think it it networks never really figured out how to program that and for the most part aside from fox of the broadcast networks still never really have like Mm -hmm. fox has had its animation thing for however many years but that's still based around the bedrock of the simpsons and family guy oh and now bob's burgers which god has been on what for 12 years at this point (laughs) or something fucking absurd yeah um i also i i I am a huge animation history nerd, if you can't tell. <laughs> so I'll stop talking now, but that, that I think is maybe what happened. That and the fact that it was a very, like, I think I remember hearing that it was, it, it didn't have a lot of flyover appeal. Oh, I could definitely see that. Because, yeah, it's based in New York. It's, the main character is a very openly, like, snobbish kind of person who kind of disdains uh you know mainstream film and he definitely like looks down his nose at a lot of people so i could definitely see it not um like having a lot of yeah yeah well brandon when you were watching um he was watching some of these last week and and you were talking about how you hadn't really remembered and again i think this is a virtue of us being older and watching it now again that you were like wow it really is kind of like halfway split between LA industry jokes and New York jokes. We happen to have lived both places, so it works for us. Yeah. <laughs> but Yeah, we watched specifically the one where he comes out to LA and tries to make it as a screenwriter. Mm. And it's like, oh, those are like those aren't just random city backgrounds. Those are like actual spots in LA. And there's lots of LA specific jokes. And it's the same for New York too. Yeah, that's true. And it's like yeah, it it's I can't believe that someone living in like Minnesota wouldn't want to watch a show about a New York film critic trying to be an LA screenwriter. <laughs> right? <laughs> if you had to pick let's say two or three episodes as like a good a good starting point for the show, uh, where where would you suggest people start? Uh, sure. Well, I, I actually think the pilot is a fine place to start. Like, I really think The Critic was one of those shows that was 
like Athena, burst fully formed. Like, they come right out of the gate with a, a lot of really great jokes, and they have their characters and their premise just really solidly figured out. So uh, I think the pilot is great. It's also just a really funny episode. It even has, I think, one of my all-time favorite gags where they do a, a movie parody where um, uh, Marlon Brando is the butler in Family Affair, the movie. Um, so you have Maurice LaMarche doing uh, his uh, Marlon Brando impression, and uh, it's it's just great. I, I won't spoil it, so you've got to just watch the episode to get that. But, yeah, you could start with the pilot. Um, and, I mean, you know, there's only 23 episodes of this show, and... There's really not a whole lot of weak spots, to be honest. Like, there's definitely a couple that I've seen that are um, not as strong as the others. But for the most part, this show is is pretty consistent in quality. It, it the vibe of it changes a little bit between the uh, was it ABC? Yeah. Uh, between the ABC season and the Fox season, they added another character, a sort of like. Holly Hunter-ish uh, love interest for Jay. She, yeah, she's basically like a, a lead in the second season, and they they made the role of his son a little more, a little more prominent. So it, it has a bit more of a family sitcom vibe in the second season, but is still just as sharp as it was. Oh yeah, and that actually I think is like the end of the first season, like right before they transition to Fox. Like that I think is the biggest weak point of the show because like. The two final episodes of the first season are just like it you can almost sense that the writers have almost like lost their their passion for the show cuz like one episode is about Jay giving up being a film critic to become a truck driver. The other is about his mother writing a children's book uh, about a pig that is quite obviously based on Jay. And so he starts getting mocked as for being the star of this children's book. So it, uh, so it's it really feels like the sh- the show itself is just you know trying to just reinforce that that Jay is uh, a shitty person and we shouldn't care about him. Then we get the first episode of season two where we're on a new network and they introduce Alice who. Uh, is a great character in her in her own right, but she just completely changes the energy. She relivens the show. She really reminds you why the critic is great in the first place, and it's like she really, I think, saves the show completely. Like it's the difference between like the end of season one and the beginning of season two is like night and day. It's kind of amazing. Well, they I think they also it's the fact that they added a a female character that wasn't primarily uh, a joke like at that point the the (laughs) the primary female characters in the show were jay's mom who is who's a very good character but is very much a specific type um and the other main female character was doris who's just there to shit on him basically (laughs) yeah i mean there is one episode in season one where they kind of flesh out doris where it it uh seems like uh, Doris might be Jay's biological mother because Jay is adopted. Like Franklin and Eleanor adopted him as a baby. So 
Um, so yeah, they they kind of get more into um, Doris's character in that one episode, but then yeah, that's about it. The rest of the series, yeah, she's basically just there to do uh, Jay's hair and makeup and make fun of him. She has that that actress Doris Grau has a really fascinating story. Um, I think she was like a script supervisor or or a makeup person or something for years in Hollywood, and they basically. Like and like wasn't an actor, but the creators loved her so much that they basically wrote this character for her. Hmm. And then once the show was canceled, they basically just popped her over to The Simpsons with Lunch Lady Doris. Oh wow! Who's, liter- who's literally the same character? Wow, I never knew that. Yeah, she, yeah, she's fascinating. Yeah. So despite trying to separate itself from The Simpsons, and uh, you know, like Matt Groening was very specific to like not be involved in any way because he didn't want people to think he was associated with it. Everybody just associated it with the Simpsons anyway, including the fact that they did a bunch of crossovers. Oh yeah. Oh, and also the, the, the theme music is by Alf Clausen also does the music for the Simpsons. Um, and yeah, Jay Sherman actually crossed over and was on an episode of the Simpsons. Uh, it's so good, which is wild because in a way, like what we were talking about, about the Simpsons is very much about, Springfield, the whole point of it being Springfield is Springfield can be anywhere. Springfield is an everyman kind of show, and the critic is very much about being an elitist. So you would think that maybe they don't necessarily have the same audience. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, like the Simpsons definitely, they're like that you're kind of more typical working class family. And, and I know that, yeah, like um, uh, Matt Groening, I think. I think he was kind of against that episode. Like, he didn't want there to be a crossover with the critic. Oh, yeah, he super-duper didn't. The commentary on the Simpsons DVDs of that episode is really fascinating. Okay, I might have to check that out because I haven't heard that. I don't suppose. Um, I don't suppose Disney Plus has any of the commentary tracks. That is, that is, my, that is the thing I like the least about uh, Disney Plus. Like I love. Oh yeah, I'm, the commentary ones were on FX, right? And you would watch them all the time. For literally half of my life, that's how I've watched The Simpsons. I'll watch an episode, and then I would either on the DVD or later on the uh, FX now would then watch it with the commentary, like a complete fucking nerd. But that's also <laughs> like a large portion of how I learned how to write comedy. So okay. Are you doing the crossover episodes as a part of uh, It Stinks? Um, yeah, well, I'm definitely going to do the the main one, A Star is Burns, where Jay comes to judge the uh, the film festival. I'm definitely going to do that one. Um, then uh, uh, the critic also, around the year 2000, they tried to bring it back by making some short webisodes. Uh, so it was actually animated in adobe flash and they got well they got uh john lovitz to come back to voice jay sherman again i don't think they got a lot of other cast members they to got return, they got but... doris growl actually okay um doris came back but yeah she was the only one yeah unfortunately but so yeah i'm gonna do a star is burns from the simpsons and i'm gonna do those uh mini webisodes that aired uh, around the year 2000 Star is Burns has so many all-timer lines from both The Simpsons and The Critic. But I think my favorite by a country mile is in Barney's movie, Mm. which is this, like, (laughs) 
black and white like art film about his drinking problem. Yeah. The, the, the final line is him just like lying on the floor and he goes, don't cry for me. I'm already dead. And it just thinking about that line makes me laugh. <laughs> yeah, uh, you're right, though. I'm looking at some info about this, and it says, uh, this episode caused some conflict between Simpsons creator Matt Groening and executive producer James L. Brooks. Groening decided to take his name off the credits and did not appear in the DVD commentary. Whoa. He publicly complained about the episode, which went on to air in the end. He said, for more than six months, I tried to convince Jim Brooks and everyone connected with the show not to do such a cynical thing, which would surely be perceived by fans as nothing more than a pathetic attempt to advertise the critic at the expense of the integrity of The Simpsons. Wow. And does the, the episode basically says that at, at one point, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. I, well, I mean... <laughs> and then... In response, Brooks said, Grading is a gifted, adorable, cuddly ingrate, but his behavior is rotten right now, and it's not pretty when a rich man acts like this. Yikes. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh, my God. Uh, but I think Jim Brooks is the only person who could publicly drag Matt Grain and get away with it. <laughs> that hard. Uh, but oh, shit, boy. Dog. Well, and like, there's even there's that moment at the very end where they're saying goodbye to Jay, and he's like, well, maybe next time you could come visit us in New York. And Homer basically says, yeah, we're not going to do that. Yeah. He does. He says, we weren't. No, nah, we're not going to be doing that. Yeah. yeah. And I think they kind of held a grudge because even though there was no, I guess, official crossover after that, Jay Sherman does pop up a couple times, almost like an Easter mm-hmm. egg once where he's in the, um, the mental institution. Asylum. Yeah. He's just saying it stinks over and over and the um and then he's also in the ziff who came to dinner and the background of moe's yeah as one of the characters who is a ripoff of homer simpson well no he's seen in he's seen in moe's with all the other characters on the show that he voiced or oh right yeah that was it he's at a table with all of his own characters oh yeah like Artie ziff of course that where the name and of the, the like episode uh, comes from uh, oh god, what's his name from a uh, streetcar named Marge? That guy too. Oh, yeah, the director guy. Yeah, <laughs> we just watched that like a week ago. Why the fuck can't I remember his name? I wasn't watching it. It was just on in our house. I should probably mention. I think it's. Um, I think it's the first episode of the second season. I might be wrong, but there is actually an episode of the critic where uh, John Lovitz. The person has a short cameo, and uh, Alice <laughs> Alice sees him. And he's like, "Oh my God, John Lovitz, he's so handsome." Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I do. I do love when they would uh, they use some of Lovitz's other catchphrases, like from SNL and stuff, <laughs> over yeah. the course of the the show. In like, I forget what it was, but there was some episode where he was just complaining about catchphrases, and then oh, then immediately it was like, "It stinks." Hi, guy. Uh, and like w- whatever one of his other SNL sketch uh, catchphrases was. That's the ticket. That's the ticket. Chris, the other big crossover is Nancy Cartwright. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. She she voices Margot. She's a phenomenal uh, voice actor. So. <laughs> yeah, she voices Margot, Jay's adopted sister, and she's, um. And she's, yeah, she's basically doing her normal voice on this yeah, show. Yeah, from so. what I heard, it's one of the few characters she does that's very close to just her voice. <laughs> and, like, yeah. her normal voice is pretty close to Bart, it seems like. <laughs> yeah, kind of. You ever seen any of Nancy Cartwright's Scientology commercials? 
No. No. Oh, they're. Creepy. I'd rather not have that cow, man. <laughs> the other, the other voice actor worth mentioning. We mentioned him very briefly earlier. Is Maurice Lamarche? Hell yeah. Who winds up doing a lot of? He he voices Frank. Uh, Jay's dad, right? Uh, no. No. Uh, Jay's he does dad. Jeremy Hawk, Shackleford, Principal Mangosudu, Orson Welles, Howard Stern, various. Yeah, he. He basically he's he's mostly there to like fill out the supporting cast and like impressions and stuff. But he's also a a, a genius and is like a third of the cast of Futurama. Oh yeah, and you might also know him as the Brain from Pinky and the Brain, which is right. basically his Orson Welles voice. Um, oh, basically so like... is basically is being too <laughs> too generous. It is. Um, so yeah, like his. His Orson Welles, when it shows up on the critic, that those are some of the, I think the most enduring jokes from this show. Like you, I think you see those. Like um, a lot of people will bring those up as some of their favorites. Like when, so basically, if you don't like, you have to know a little bit about the real life of Orson Welles, who basically in in the latter part of his life, like the seventies, where he wasn't really making movies anymore, he basically resorted to doing commercials. Um, and you can, if you go on YouTube, you can find like outtakes of him doing these like, oh, they're so fucking good, dude. <laughs> yeah. These wine the commercials and like, hilarious. yeah. So the yeah, Orson Welles so on the critic is basically making fun of that part of Orson Welles's life. So it's Orson Welles doing these commercials and, um, yeah, it's just hilarious. It's for, it's for frozen green peas, right? <laughs> Yes, um, uh, full of country goodness and green penis. <laughs> so. Doesn't he do one for Mountain Dew at some point too, or is that an SNL sketch I may be thinking of? The real, the the actual outtakes you can find on YouTube are so funny. Oh God, yeah, they're beautiful. Yeah, I mean they're they're kind of they're kind of sad knowing that he was they are but doing still. these because he couldn't get any other work, but like yeah. Um, there's, it is hilarious to watch. There's, I should, I should do that as a thing I'm into. Uh, one week, just uh, audio footage of old like broadcast personalities just losing their shit. <laughs> there's a really good one of Casey Kasem. Uh, he's trying to do his like uh, top forty or whatever it was, and he's doing a dedication. Uh, like he just, he's just come out of like. And that was the number five hit, whatever. And then he has to do a dedication for someone whose dog has died and just loses his mind at the engineer. He's like, how could, why would you give me a, a goddamn death dedication right after a pop song? Like, what is wrong with oh, you? Oh, God. It's so funny, especially because his speaking voice was basically shaggy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I guess one of the most well-known of all time is like that clip of Bill O'Reilly freaking out. We're doing it live. Yeah. Where he... Which, if you watch it again, like, that happens because he doesn't know the phrase, play us off. <laughs> like, they put that in the script, and he, like, he doesn't know what it means, and he gets so frustrated over it that he explodes. Like, he's gonna play us off? What does that mean? Yeah. Like, and it's yeah. Like, with, uh-huh. in, and in such a normal working environment like Fox News, I can't imagine why there would be high tensions for any reason. <laughs> so, Brian, any yeah. final thoughts on The Critic? Is there anything we haven't... Uh, we haven't covered or anything else you feel like is worth mentioning? Um, yeah, well, I, I just want to mention if people want to watch The Critic, either... Yeah, where I, can they watch it, and is it in order? <laughs> um, 
Yes, well, you Well, I don't know, man. Old TV shows, sometimes they air them weirdly out of order, and then they don't come back in order. Oh, okay, because <laughs> I thought you asked that because it's literally not in order, at least from what okay. I found. So uh, so if you want to watch The Critic, it is on uh, Crackle. So you can either go to crackle.com, or if you have the streaming channel on Roku or whatever, you can find it there. Um also, someone did upload it to YouTube, so you can find it there unless it gets taken down. I think that's where Brandon's been watching it. Yeah, that's that's how I've watched like the five I've watched. Over yeah, the past that's couple weeks. Yeah. So your mileage may vary on that. <laughs> yeah, it's super convenient, but something just tells me it's not long for this world. So you're probably safer watching it on Crackle. The quality is um, surprisingly good. Yeah. So then what I was speaking to then, so it's not up in order, and is there an order people should watch it in, according, I mean, not according to you, but you're the you're the expert here on it who's been watching them. <laughs> I mean, order really doesn't matter. Each episode is pretty self-contained, but, like, if you, if you look it up on Crackle, it goes from season one, episode one, then jumps to season one, episode three, because they misnumbered episode two, like they just numbered it huh. number four. So there's two episodes that are numbered number four. But um, yeah, I mean, I also have the DVDs, which I am treating as the official order. But like I said, yeah. it, it, it really doesn't matter. Each episode's pretty self-contained. So you can just jump in, jump out whenever you feel like it. So, uh, so yeah. Do you have a favorite? Um... Yeah, probably my favorite, and I think a lot of people's favorites, is this episode that's late in season two where uh, Jay's parents, um, like, their plane crashes and they get marooned on a desert island. Penguins can't fly. <laughs> yes, has a, a legendary joke where, yeah, the plane crashes because it is being flown by a penguin. And then when uh, Franklin, like, investigates the uh, cockpit, he sees the penguin uh has been drinking and he goes wait a minute penguins can't fly and that's when the plane crashes and it's just <laughs> brilliant i love him so much <laughs> um other than that i would say the first episode of season two the one that introduces alice is uh mm -hmm. a great one um there's an episode also in season two where siskel and ebert uh guest as themselves which is pretty special. Um, oh, that is a good one. And I read that they actually, this is one of the only pieces of TV they agreed to review, and they gave it like a pretty pretty serious like critique and review, and then they offered to write some episodes, but I don't think anybody ever took them up on it. Oh, man. That would have been awesome. Well, this was the one show that was giving cameos to critics. <laughs> like between them and Shallot and... Yeah, Gene Shallot kind of pops up in the first season. Though, uh, they never got Leonard Malton, I don't think, but whatever. Um, Malton's too snooty for them. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I love Leonard Malton, and I would never say an ill word against him. <laughs> no, Malton rules. I, I, I miss, the, I miss the, the Leonard Malton app that uh, is no longer, but it was a great— You can just uh, listen to Doug Loves Movies play the Leonard Malton game. Yeah. No, I was going to say, it says in this article, early on in its run, Siskel and Ebert did a review of the show. It was the only television series they ever reviewed. <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's been the only television series, I think, that starred a film critic. Yeah. 
Well, they said, let me see, they said, the show doesn't have as many memorable characters as The Simpsons and encouraged the writers to work on that. They said the second episode was a letdown because it didn't seem to be about the world of a movie critic and was instead about a single dad and his geeky son. They said the jokes involving Jay's dad did get tiresome and that the station boss isn't as sharp a parody as he could be. Siskel said, if the critic is going to succeed, and I hope it does, it desperately needs to refocus itself on the movies and the way critics interact with them. So basically, they just wanted it to be a movie more about them. <laughs> they said yeah. it needed, they added that the show needed a second critic, jokingly uh. saying that he and Roger Ebert should should save the show by writing scripts. Oh, you know, you know what? It, it, on a similar note to the clips of people losing their shit earlier... There's some really good ones of Siskel and Ebert doing promos where oh, oh, they yeah. are just like shitting on each other constantly because they really they didn't super duper get along. No, I knew that. <laughs> yeah, uh, you could you could also find just like uh, clips of them reviewing video games on their show. Oh no! Uh, yeah. Oh, it's great. They review the um, if you remember the Sega Activator which was like a <laughs> ring that you put on the floor and it's kind of infrared activated. So that like it shows them trying to play street fighter by like actually punching. And that makes the characters on screen punch and kick and stuff. It's, <laughs> uh, it's great. <laughs> um, an- another, I think if I had to pick my favorite episode, I forget mm-hmm. what it's called, but it's the one where Duke runs for president. I think it's called like all the Duke's men or something like that. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, and he runs for president with uh, Jay's dad. Yes, all the Duke's men. Uh, with Jay's dad as his running <laughs> mate. And it's like a lot of the jokes feel pretty prescient for where we're at now. But mm. it's also just there's just so much Duke Phillips per capita in that episode. It also has his, yeah. has an amazing joke about. Oh, and there's the Hall of Presidents. Oh, joke. It, yeah, oh yeah, it does. Ha- it has a really good Hall of Presidents joke, and it has a joke about what do you call people from Guam that has stuck with me for like half my life. Okay, is it racist? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm legitimately not sure. It's very 1994. It is super 1994. Oh, yeah. There's, there, there's, there's a, there's a lot couple of... anti-Irish jokes in there, too, but that's more okay. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one thing to keep in mind. Anybody who does decide to go watch this is it's very 1994-1995, and that doesn't make it okay, but it is very of its time. Yeah, there, there there's a, a few With more... With the things that we were joking about on television in the mid-90s. Yeah, there's a few more gay panic gags uh, than you would oh, like to see, yeah. but, like... For the most part, it does. It doesn't. It doesn't feel as off as a lot of other shows from the time can. Yeah, like it definitely does punch down sometimes. But yeah, you always get the feeling that like you know their heart's kind of in the right place. Yeah, it's rare that that the punchline is just "oh, you're gay" and that is inherently a joke. Yeah, I mean, in the third episode, there is a, uh, I guess, a favorable portrayal of uh, Fidel Castro. So that's something. <laughs> then this show should be canceled. <laughs> Ooh, only in South Florida. Brian Rubenow, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, yeah, my pleasure. This was awesome. Um, if people wanted to find more Brian Rubenow related content on the Internet or thereabouts, how could they do that? Um, yeah, well, I guess first you can check out the podcast at itstinkspod.podbean.com, but you, you could also find it on 
Apple Podcast or Google Play. Um, hey, quick, quick, yeah, quick question, and uh, I, I have no, uh, I don't know why I'm asking this. Who wrote your theme song? Oh, that's <laughs> right. Uh, you can also hear the theme song by uh, our own Brandon Beck. Oh wow, uh, cool. The, yeah, the music that's at the beginning and end of each episode. Uh, yeah, thanks so much for doing that. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Um, so yeah, the, the podcast is on, uh, Apple, Google, um, I submitted it to Spotify, so it should be up there soon. Um. It doesn't take long. Okay, cool. And so, yeah, just check it out. Excellent. Um, are you still doing anything with, um, shitpost? I know Jupiter's got a show. I didn't know if it was that. Yeah, I've kind of, uh, gone hands off with that so far. Like, Twitch, I think, is the next frontier for me, but I'm just kind of dipping my toes in the water as far as all that goes yeah we're all figuring out how to make comedy interesting when we can't see each other yeah yeah Yeah, i i haven't (laughs) i haven't watched any um like live streamed stand-up shows yet but that's probably in my future yeah you don't need to that's all right there's an episode that's uh, we already taped but is coming up for listeners in which i pretty much take the stand that uh zoom improv and zoom stand-up comedy are both bad yep (laughs) so it's fine it's fine. Yeah, that's not a that that's too. not a huge hill to die on. <laughs> all right, Brandon. Um, yeah, you can you can find me uh, all over the internet on uh, at hell yes Brandon on all of the socials. Uh, I'm on SoundCloud uh, with some of my like solo stuff. Um, also, uh, Brian and I are both in, of y'all's bands. Yeah, Brian and I are in a band together called Inkblot. Um, we've got some stuff up on SoundCloud. We've got a, a demo EP we recorded about a year ago, and we've got like five or six live sets that we've done that I, th- I think are a pretty good example of of what our shows are like. They're they're fun. They're funny. They're they're lively. Uh, it's basically just the three uh, the four of us like fighting for attention. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'd say that's accurate. And uh, that's a band. Then uh, happy happy grown up hour. Whenever that comes back um yeah most of my plugs aren't really don't have much to be plugged because of quarantine yep he's also got a song right now on a new ep from uh, comedian joey clift who decided to finish sufjan stevens 50 states project uh and you can find an av club article about that and you can find him on the texas ep with a song that he co-produced with will morgan called deep in the fart of texas and it's exactly what it sounds like (laughs) But I'm proud we are of all of them. I, I'm just I'm just really happy that the that the first thing I ever worked on that got written up in the AV Club has the line "poop on my nuts" that escaped from my butts. <laughs> Joey Clift is such a, a mad genius. Like whenever he comes up with a new project, you know it's going to be something you've never seen or heard before, and it's going to be absolutely ridiculous. Yeah his his episode of How Did This Get Played is is also really <laughs> oh incredible. my god. Yes, one of the it's, all-time it's incredible listen. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it, it uh, is a, it is a, it is a difficult listen. But it's hostile, it, intense. It is, but it's, it's not even. I don't even know if right? it's hostile, but like it is definitely, it is definitely tense. Yeah, but he's not. No, wrong. he's super not. He's um, super not wrong. This is sounding really big to anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about. But go look it up. Go look up jo- Joey Cliff's episode of How. Excuse me. How did this get played? And you'll understand. It's his, it's his first. Um, one. He's, there's probably even an article about he's it. Since he's been on since, but it's the episode for like Custer's Revenge or Custer's Last Stand or something. It, it dropped uh, last November. Yeah, you can probably find an article about it because it made some news. But 
Uh, yeah, you can find me all over the internet at bscores, uh, spelled exactly like it sounds, B-E-E-S-C-O-R-E-S, with an underscore at the end underneath the, uh, after the S, because somebody had already taken it. So like an insect who gets lucky. Yes, like an insect who gets lucky and then puts an underscore to just really, you know, (laughs) underline it there. Um, and through that on Instagram, you can follow the podcast if you follow the hashtag IntuitPod because you can follow hashtags on Instagram now. Haha. Ha. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter. You can find the show on Twitter at, at IntuitPod, and you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash IntuitPod, and we'd appreciate the follows there, because then you will also get notifications whenever we have new episodes, which you can find us all over the place, which obviously you guys know if you're listening to this. Uh, yeah, that's really all. I don't have any plugs. Thank you as always to Kaylin West and Tiny Stills for the use of our theme song. Starting over is a lot like giving up off the album Falling is like flying. Uh, and that's all I got. Oh, I know what I can plug. Go check out on Instagram, Strong Flower Bakes, uh, F-L-O-U-R. Um, that is a new bakery business by my best friend, uh, JJ. And I designed their logo and I'm really proud of it. There you go. Go check that out. Also, every single piece of bakery shit she makes looks fucking great, and I can't eat any of it right now because (laughs) we're not allowed to be together. Can I plug one more thing real fast? Absolutely. I just NFL.com. Just check it out. All right. (laughs) Hey, could I could I plug one more thing? Uh, real real fast. Uh, you should check out uh lapel pins. They're cool. They're good. Put them on your stuff. Guys, mine was a real thing. I spent many hours designing this logo that I'm really proud of. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's 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 a, it's a very very good a very very good logo. We're just uh... my computer crashed a bunch of times and it took me a long time and I was really proud of it. Mine was a real thing. We just we we haven't been able to yes and each other at band practice, so we're doing what we can here. <laughs> that's kind no, of. I true. mean, we can stop recording and I can hang up and just let you two just you know keep going. Th- here. That's honestly kind of all an inkblot set is is just yes anding each other until it becomes disruptive to the course of the show yeah that sounds right and then and then it's usually jess that has to uh get us back on track but she's not here right now yeah damn straight she's not god color me shocked color me shocked the woman on stage is the one who has to get it fucking back in order (laughs) Hmm, hmm. i wonder how that feels Ooh, don't you don't you want to know uh that the podcast is over yes (laughs) all that being said (laughs) Podcast over. Don't you, don't you want to know that you don't have to be alone? When will you see you're only held down by strings? Don't you, don't you want to know that you don't have to be alone? When will you see you're only held down by strings? All Duke, Duke is life. All hail Duke. Duke is life. All hail. Pigeons seem to like the sound of my.